0: Welcome to the LTAD Network podcast. I'm your host Rob Anderson and on this podcast we seek out the world's best researchers, coaches, support staff, teachers and athletes to better understand the process of long-term athlete development. Don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform, and 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. That's LTADVIP50 at the LTAD Network Hub website. This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective, athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets, just upload your athlete's data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTID Network podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Elizabeth Uller. Elizabeth is a strength coach who worked for the German Weightlifting Federation from 2017 to 2020 as manager of the youth department and later head of talent identification. She's a licensed weightlifting coach in high performance by the German Olympic Sports Confederation and holds several qualifications in youth development and strength conditioning. In 2021, she started her own business consulting and coaching in national governing bodies of different sports, helping organizations implementing talent development programs and improving coach education. Welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth. It's fantastic to have you on this morning.
1: Yeah, thank you for the invitation. I'm very happy to be on the podcast.
0: So uh, give us a bit of the backstory of your own kind of uh, journey as an athlete and how that developed into into becoming a coach.
1: Yeah, so I think like many, uh, I was a very untalented athlete. So (laughs) as as many coaches, probably, uh, I was a very untalented athlete. Uh, So... um, When i grew up i played multiple sports but nothing really serious like i didn't i never competed or played games or stick with one sport for a longer period of time but i tried out everything i could so um and uh, then i found weightlifting um i don't know how it just like i just saw it on tv Um, at the Olympics and I thought that's pretty cool Um, and um, yeah then I started doing weightlifting uh, because uh, it was just yeah it was just cool to be strong Um, and um, yeah then as I said before I was very not really the most talented uh, athlete Um, I was simply not strong enough um, and didn't really have the The body type that you need to become a a successful weightlifter Um, and uh, yeah then I decided to to become a coach or rather like someone else decided I should become a coach because uh, um, yeah I'm pretty good with kids and uh, they asked me to replace um, a PE teacher in an elementary school and uh, because otherwise all PE lessons would have gotten scrapped because they didn't have enough people or enough teachers and then they asked like different different sports clubs in that area if they want to like take over the PE lessons because otherwise there will not be PE lessons Um, and that's how I got into coaching and especially coaching children Um, and I spent um the beginning of my coaching uh, journey, just coaching uh, elementary school kids. We had a really great program um, that even won a prize then afterwards where we had like different groups that switched from one sport or one activity um, to the other. So it was more like a physical liter- physical and health literacy project. So we did eight weeks of fitness weightlifting. That, that was my part. And we did eight weeks swimming. So every kid had to learn to swim in elementary school. Um, then we did eight weeks and nutrition and cooking. And usually uh, um, the kids that were cooking were while the others were in, in, the, in the other sports. So and then they came back from the sports and had like had like lunch from the kids that cooked for them. Uh, and they rotated every eight weeks and then the fourth one was uh, gymnastics acrobatics so we tried to have like these four blocks and then sw- switch the kids around every eight weeks in that project um that was the first thing I've really done in coaching um and uh, there was a lot of other schools found that pretty cool <laughs> um, and then uh, Um, Yeah, I got offered uh, a job at German weightlifting to manage the youth department Um, and especially uh, with the goal to or the vision was to get more schools into uh, fitness, strength, resistance, training, etc. Because here in Germany, that's not a thing. Uh, We don't really have sports in schools like it's not really a priority. Um, and German weightlifting had a cooperation with the um, yeah with, with several other organizations, and uh, we worked I worked then on a proje- on, on projects in schools and how to motivate kids to do more strength uh, training. Yeah, and then um, I got an offer from the half performance department uh, and uh, became the head of talent identification and um, managed the recruiting and talent identification process for German weightlifting. I work mainly with like transitional athletes. So transitional athletes here means like we have athletes that are already in another sport. Like for example, throwing, like we had a lot of throwers Wrestling, athletics in general, gymnastics, and they didn't really make it. Or there, there was not really the, the potential for making it in that sport, or making it on an elite level in that sport was not there. Um, and then we try to uh, transition them to weightlifting. Um, that that's what I what I did in 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 the, in the last in, in my last part as a gym weightlifting. And then I left the organization end of 2020 and have my own. Uh, it's mainly a consulting business. I still coach camps, uh, but I mainly consult with uh, NGBs um, around long-term athletic development and um, how to have like the, that bigger picture, um, how to make long-term plans from an athletic um, perspective. And yeah, that, that, that's the weightlifting part or whatever I do. And uh, I was always very lucky to have a lot of paid vacation. <laughs> and uh, I use my paid vacation to uh, work in or do internships in uh, team sports, like, uh, for example, rugby. So I spend most of the time I spend in South Africa um, with rugby teams. And yeah. Um, yeah, I coached some kids like in the evenings, um, mainly rugby players, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I did the last five years.
0: <laughs> cool. There's a lot to dig into there, and um, I actually didn't tell you this before we got started, but I was a bit of an amateur weightlifter, and I use the term amateur very heavily. Um, but uh, I mean, Germany has a pretty good history in weightlifting for for people who aren't initiated in sport, and obviously. Uh, in terms of organisation, actually have a bit of a league of athletes who will compete club to club, who you know can win some prize money, etc. Because I know a few British athletes that as part of their kind of development have ended up in the Bundesliga lifting for yeah. different clubs. So it's weightlifting in terms of uh, the, the organisation in Germany is actually probably quite good, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so I lifted in the Bundesliga as well. So that's, uh, but I was not like one of those high-profile. I was like the more the average people. Uh, I think every team has those. So I lifted in the Bundesliga as well. So we have like a leagues, or, or we have like very, very like how I'm gonna say that. Um, we have struct or the structures here in individual sports are very. Um, are very good like we have uh, we have like a league system where different clubs compete against each other it's also a possibility for a lot of athletes to earn money and um, what is not very easy uh, in most Olympic sports um, even on a like on a national level so um, here weightlifters can actually make money and um, when they're lifting for in the Bundesliga for a club I think uh, from the UK we have Sarah Davis, who's lifting here. Emily Campbell is now lifting here, and we have like a lot of international lifters here in Germany who use that as like some form of, uh, yeah, also making money. <laughs> it's that it's not that simple in the Olympic sports. So we have a very well structured um, system that works here. We have four, now we have three now three Olympic big Olympic training centers where. Um, young athletes get developed um and the structure like we have a long history in weightlifting as well and a pretty successful uh, history especially in the super heavyweights um, we don't have that anymore but like um yeah we will see what's going to happen in the next years as well out
0: of interest, when was it that you uh, first saw Olympic weightlifting? Because it was only, am I right in thinking, it was only Sydney the Sydney Olympics that women started competing in weightlifting. Because I remember watching myself and seeing a, a Polish lifter and thinking, wow, this is, this is really different.
1: Yeah, I think the first time um, I really, or the first time I actually watched weightlifting, like on at the Olympics was 2008, um, when uh, a German weightlifter, actually a, a woman, uh, her name was Julia Schwarzbach, when she competed um at the age of 19 and she was already on a very very high level and then i thought, like oh this is so cool want <laughs> i do that too um especially because like you see she he, he, like around 2008 i would say um the way weightlifters looked uh, and the way they like wh- wh- everything was presented had a huge change compared to the years before so it was more like okay this is a sport for any body type and also um, it's not making you less feminine uh, to to do that sport and I think that 2008 was the first time I would say I li- really noticed that in the sport um, yeah and, and that's when I, I really got excited about it but yeah the beginnings uh were 2000 and like it took or i, th- I think it took almost 20 years uh from from the 80s till to 2000 until uh women's weightlifting was 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 accepted um and now it's like the the level has increased so much and a lot especially in the last uh two olympic cycles it's really it's really crazy actually how how quick women became really good at that sport even though it's not hasn't been long in the Olympic program.
0: Yeah no there's a uh, it's it's been interesting to follow that obviously I was in a bit of a weight of the world many years ago but still kind of looking from afar and seeing how quickly you know records are, are getting elevated you know and to really interesting and, and quite serious levels and you know lifters like Lydia Valentin and, and girls like that who are really you know now high profile figures. Um, But it shows the importance, as you say, of, of, I guess, uh, women's weightlifting getting that exposure because until, as you said, you know, if you hadn't seen it on TV, maybe you wouldn't have come across it potentially. So it shows the importance of of having the profile for, for female weightlifting.
1: Yeah, it's also a sport, and, and that's some, something that very often gets overlooked. Or um, it, It's very, you can see that at the Olympics, uh, at the Tokyo Olympics, it's a sport that has a very, very low access, uh, like, or the barrier to do weightlifting is very, very low. And uh, there are so many different countries now that are competitive, um, and that are competitive internationally, that makes it a, a very interesting sport from a diverse perspective, because I think I looked it up um, a couple of weeks ago, but there were more than I think more than more, at least more than 10 different countries winning a medal at the at the Tokyo Olympics. I have to look that up again. But it's been a um, it's not that these these sports are dominated by a handful of nations. Like at the moment, we have like probably over 15 uh, countries that are actually competitive. Um, and where where it, it's a pretty like diverse sport that can be done everywhere. So and we have nations or we have like countries that are very successful uh, or that became very successful where you would have never expected it like for example Colombia or um, we have now at the moment um, like of course the eastern the Eastern European countries are still very successful, but also France or, Uh, spain or we have like some competitive uh, athletes now from finland like it's very it's a very low barrier sport what makes it really interesting and that's why it's also so important to keep it in the olympic program even though there's so much trouble at the iwf at the moment um because it's really a sport that can be done anywhere and that has such a low low access barrier
0: Mm. so before we dig into you know a bit a bit around the specifics of coaching youth as well I think give us a, give us a bit of an overview of the German sports system because we talked off camera how sometimes mm. people don't necessarily understand it and think you know context in the United States the UK is very similar but obviously you're you're limited by the logistics of the system you're in so give us a bit of an overview of what the German sports system is like for a, for a young kid coming through
1: yeah so for especially for young athletes it's it's probably um, but also old athletes it's it's a bit different than what you know from the UK or the US. So we don't really have school sports like that that's not a priority here or college sports is also not that they barely exists like college sports or university sports here in Germany like that's just for fun. like there is no elite athlete um getting developed at, at any university. Um, so this doesn't exist. Um, and we have like a, a basically we have like a club system uh, that's most of the time a uh, non-profit and uh, volunteer uh volunteer based. So the majority of coaches here are volunteer coaches and um on a very I would say like uh, maybe they earn like a little bit of pocket money but it's not really um, something like it in a club you you don't we 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 barely have full-time coaches Um, and but this is where where kids usually go and kids also play one sport year round um, and I don't know many kids that play multiple sports because from a Logistical perspective, that's most of the time not really possible because you can't have one season in the summer and then do something out and then have one season in the winter. Usually kids play one sport year round. Uh, what makes it very challenging from like a, when you have like more this multi-sports approach and want kids to have like a lot of different experiences, um, then you have to find a way through athletic development um, to take those boxes um, but it's the it's the system that I'm working in, or that I'm I've been working in here the last few years. Um, so when we have we have these clubs or grassroots, that that would be the grassroots level basically, and then kids uh, in the Olympic sports um, get into uh, regional like regional high performance centers or where they have then more qual where they have then more um, coaching from coaches that are fully employed, for example, and the best of those, or if there's usually a selection, the best of those regional uh, regional power performance centers then go to the Olympic training centers. Um, and the Olympic training centers here have, uh, like there's always a school um, that's either implemented or they have like a cooperation with a school and all kids from the Olympics or from the Olympic sports that are, at the olympic training center they go in one class together like depending on the area you are so for example where i worked uh, at the um, in or the, the olympic training center close to where i worked um they have a class They have a class full of boxers swimmers weightlifters gymnasts rugby, like rugby 7s players um and like wrestlers wrestlers judo um And they all go into one class together and then they have like their training and then they separate into those sports. So this is how it works here. And then on on elite level, in the Olympic sports are mainly, like or the majority of of elite athletes then um, are supported by either the military or the police. And um, so they are full-time that if if they are, uh, if they have the chance to go to the Olympics, um, or if the organize or the federations sees potential in certain athletes to go to the Olympics, that's the always the ultimate goal. Um, then they get funded by the military or the police. So there's like a very very strict selection process. So it's really like okay, we have to see potential in this certain in these athletes to make it uh, to the Olympics and place like between one and eight. So, and basically here, also during my time at German weightlifting, like the ultimate goal is always the Olympics. It's always like having athletes at the Olympics everything else doesn't really count. So what is really like, what is on the one hand is like, makes it very difficult because you have like, as especially working with youth athletes, you have like no influence on, on what the elite athletes do um, and your own success, uh, like for example, as some junior championships, they don't really matter. Uh, they don't really care a lot about that. So it's only at the end of the day you have to win, have to be good at the Olympics, and that's where that, that whole sports system is aiming to in the high performance part. Then we have soccer uh, or football uh, in the UK, um, which is like they do their own thing. <laughs> they are organized with uh, the youth uh, the, the youth academies. Uh, they develop separately from that Olympic um, sports system. Um, so, yeah, but this is how how the system here works. Um, and uh, everyone who's not going the high performance p- pathway, they're staying in the clubs that are usually volunteer based. And like Germans are really, really good at structuring things, uh, <laughs> like extremely good at like organizing, and structuring things. So there is, for example, in football, like a whole league system with, I don't know, 26 different levels, uh, um, like 26 was a random number, but it's like way over 20 um different leagues that all kind of are organized in a way and you play uh each other or play where they play each, against each other it's like a super structured organized uh, system um yeah and that's that's where i was working in so and there, there's sometimes this confusion with early specialization was that what that actually means is, is that what we're doing um Yes, we're doing that um, because, uh, according to the definition that often gets used, um, with okay, if the kid focuses on one sport and plays that sport year-round, that is what basically what we're doing here. But we're trying. What we're trying to do is like having training uh, organized much different, uh, or try to take those multisports and and and. Different physical activities, boxes in in between the sport that we are coaching.
0: It makes a lot of sense as to, you know, what you alluded to before about the program you were running, why that was potentially different to what was happening in terms of your, your eight-week blocks trying different sports, because it's obviously going against the norm. So, yeah. what is it about working at the youth end that appeals to you rather than working over at the LE end? Um,
1: I would say I enjoy both. Um, but um, I've always been very like um, for me is or, or what has been most fascinating for me is always like or, or that feeling of seeing an athlete really grow and develop and reaching reaching personal goals, um, and being there for that whole development process from from like from the beginning. Um, it's actually very cool now to see some athletes that I I've, I've trained like five six years ago. Uh, or that i've where that i started uh coaching five six years ago where they are now or and some of them are now in some olympic training centers uh some of them do something completely different It's really cool to see what impact you have on young people um also from like a holistic view on how they develop as as people like for example one of um one of my former rugby players, I think I coached him like four years ago, or three or four years ago. Um, he sent me a message recently and said, okay, he decided to go uh, to the military um and if I would support that I was like why are you asking me (laughs) why are you asking me that (laughs) like like and he was like yeah because like your your opinion always mattered and I was like oh that's so sweet (laughs) and uh, then we had like a huge uh we had a huge conversation about uh what, what what the future should look like and he asked like yeah are you not disappointed that I then won't be able to play rugby anymore and I was like no actually no (laughs) like um you have to figure that out and like i really like being part of uh the growth and development of an athlete but at the same time like i'm not gonna say I, i will always just work with youth athletes um i'm really like there's also certain parts or certain aspects of the senior or elite level that are very interesting for me uh to work in um as as i said before i've been interning at some uh pro in some pro rugby settings um i've also been shadowing coaches in some pro track and field settings um so it's it, i'm fascinated by that as well and it's also something where i can imagine working in um but like seeing especially that growth of young athletes over time wherever they end up like that that's really like like that's really fulfilling like yeah, from a, from a coaching perspective.
0: Cool. So let's dig into your, uh, your approach when you're teaching young athletes. With. And so <clears throat> I imagine that first entry point, like you're saying, if you're going to a school, it's kind of raising awareness of of this sport being, you know, a potential opportunity, you know, it's something that you could do. Um, you know, people might view weightlifting because for those who have trained weightlifting, it is a pretty repetitive sport, you know, you've got the snatch and a cleaner jerk and you spend a lot of time getting very good at those, those lifts and and variations of, so how, how do you go about engaging those younger kids in the sport of weightlifting and getting them excited and and enthusiastic about it?
1: Yeah. So, um, I know that there are a lot of people now out there, that, or there are a lot of people out there who can't understand how a kid can enjoy that, or how a young athlete can enjoy lifting weights. And there's also a lot of people now, um, and that's that's really getting a bit annoying that are saying oh, it's not necessary, they all they need is fundamental movement skills and play, and uh, they everything they have to do is playing. I figured out the kids that I've coached in weightlifting or that came to weightlifting are usually kids that don't enjoy playing that much. Like they don't enjoy, uh, they, they, they rather, they, they have like different personalities. Not every kid likes that. Like, um, and that's something I think we have to acknowledge. Uh, everything is always very focused on team sports and everyone is always expecting kids to, um, yeah, to, to just wanna have social interactions and play. And like, it's not that those kids don't like that, like they enjoy that at times, but like I figured out the kids that I had in my groups and and those that were interested in uh, pursuing weightlifting, these are usually kids that don't, that, that really wanna work on something themselves. Um, they don't wanna be dependent on a team or on, on something. And what, what they really liked about weightlifting is having that challenge, not, not necessarily against someone else, but against like their former, uh, for example, their, the former weights they lifted or, uh, other aspects. So it's like, it, it's, it's a, it's some kids, some kids just don't like playing team sports and then they find something that's more suitable for them uh, in in individual sports and I think sometimes parents uh, and also other coaches forget that not every kid wants to play games or wants to play a season or something so um, the kids that I had um, we always try to, I always try to figure out first what they, like, what is really enjoyable for them. Um, and they usually react on different things. So I, for example, had one, a few kids that where I could see that they really enjoy getting better at something like at specific skill. And they really like seeing their own improvements on videos, or they have they want to learn something that they can show others. Um, that that's really that's really something like they enjoyed um and not necessarily play was not necessarily playing games but they enjoyed seeing their own progress so and then I try as a coach um, with those kids and weightlifting for example I try to build the sessions around okay we we they want to they want to see that that progress and improving and learning and so this is how I structure them the sessions um, and then I had other kids that were super competitive. So uh, then I tried to structure the training for them in a, in a way that they are competitive um, against themselves, uh, against maybe a partner um, and stuff like that. So this is, I, I try to, like, everyone always asks me, like, how, how can I make strength training fun for kids? figure out what the kids like and how figure out what kids actually enjoy and don't assume it because that's uh, making assumptions and thinking okay because kids just all kids just want to play we have to make a game out of everything that's not gonna it's most of the time it's not working um and i must say like the the, the yeah the kids like there are kids that don't like Team sports and like don't force them to play it if they don't like it because they're just gonna they're just gonna they're not gonna enjoy it um and um yeah it's the same with um I, I've, I've always asked that question when for example when people tell me like that can't be fun or that can, kids can't enjoy being in the gym uh, or an eight-year-old can't enjoy being in the gym um we do that with We do that with with the sport of weightlifting, um, but we don't do that with, for example, track and field. (laughs) What is actually very like if I look at it uh, or if you look at it from the outside, it's just running uh, or it's just sprinting or it's just jumping. It's like also very simple. Um, And we we don't question that. We don't question kids doing track like doing like athletics um, or the same with other sports that are very like simple in, in that term um so just my tip always for the coaches would be figure out what is enjoyable for the kids that you are coaching and don't assume that everything that's a game is automatically fun for them like I had a I had one group um once they hated playing dodgeball like they never enjoyed it it was just like they were throwing they were not even trying to play it, and then I had another group that were they were almost killing each other while playing dodgeball because they enjoyed it so much, and and like really try to figure out who's in front of you, and then coach what they and what like or coach them how they wanna get coached, and don't put everything on them. Like obstacle courses are fun, but not for everyone. <laughs>
0: yeah that really resonates with me actually it's funny you know saying that around you know some people don't want to do this like so my background was team sports originally played a lot of football soccer etc but when I discovered weightlifting it was there was those things that you mentioned that, that I really enjoyed the fact that your performance kind of lived or died on, it was on you there was no one you couldn't hide behind anyone you couldn't blame someone else in the team or he played badly it was like he either lifted it or you didn't lift it and you know yeah. there's very there's not that much your coach can really help you with once you're on the platform um and that personal progress piece as well. Like, you know, for me, when I went to competitions, always around, I want to be my own personal best. I can't really control what everyone else does. I want to, you know, get my snatch personal best or my clean and jerk personal best. So that really resonates with me. And I see that actually, and you mentioned it in some of the athletes that, that I train who, you know, love, I love lifting and love being in the gym. So what did practically, what do those sessions look like? So you mentioned, you know, trying to figure out what's, what's enjoyable for them, whether it's seeing, you know, technical improvement or, you know, improvement in in their own uh, their own lifting, I guess, or that competitive element. How would you organize a session that it would, would look like that, practically speaking?
1: Yeah. Um. So what I what I usually do, I, I, because when you have like a, when you have like a bigger group, it's that makes it very difficult to go to individualize everything. That's uh, from a from organizational perspective, that's not possible um so I try to group kids together that are very similar or that a lot enjoy enjoy things that are very similar and then um I usually or like how I I, I always started the session with like you know the normal fundamental movement skill stuff and like having like ticking a few boxes when it comes to okay we're trying something new uh or a, a new sport just for fun so most of the time i Like I just improvised and we did like play badminton or table tennis or a a while I taught them how to juggle and stuff like that. So like that's usually how I start a session. So something like that's different to weightlifting, like completely different, the opposite usually. Um, and then we had like a we had like a a small or then I always did a small like technical improvement uh, section uh, in the in the in the program so we have like in the beginning you usually don't do more than 10 minutes of technique training and then over time you you like increase that time so um, yeah we ended up at like 20 minutes of uh, focusing on technique work and then yeah I split I, I, I try to mix it up all the time um, but having kids finding yeah some or having movement patterns patterns developing but mixing 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 it up with different tools or different equipment so for example when I teach um, I teach a squat then we start with uh, or we, we started with the kids with just normal like duck walks or like anything that's related to a deep squat and moving there and being stable in that position. And then over time, I just, we, we did squats every week, but we mixed, mixed it up with, we did goblet squats with a uh, kettlebell. Then we did it with a dumbbell. And then it's big excited because that's something new, um, but they're still doing squats. And then we did it with a, with a med ball. And then we did like squats with throwing the mat ball to the partner. And then like, and then you progress to, to uh, adding the barbell. And I usually uh, start with front squats. I don't back squat with kids um like very rarely like maybe we're very good ones but usually we do front squads and and then we mix it up again and we we i try to have like different levels for them and they have always have to reach the next level when they're good with one thing um and this and and that's so we have like that technique technical part um and then I always have like a repeat part. Um, So I have a new skill and a repeat skill part. So the next part is something where we repeat a skill that we've learned in the sessions before um, and try to get better from a quality perspective or um, I wanna have like, I want them to, to get better when it comes to movement quality. Um, And it's not necessarily something new, but it's something that they have done a couple of times before. And then I always end the session with, again, something that they choose. Um, um, It's like that's something that's really important for me, like having having kids participate in the program. Also, they're making decisions about how the program should look like, because um, what I figured out is like the majority of kids are in very structured sports programs already um coaches structure uh, um, training uh from from the warm-up to to the end and like they feel like they don't really have any say in that so that's really what I try then in, in the athletic development or in the, in the weightlifting uh, sessions having them like choose something uh having like yeah having a voice and letting them choose something to do in the in the last part of the session yeah that's how i usually structure like a a, yeah a training session it's
0: really interesting i always find it uh amusing when people arrive at similar uh, destinations from very different journeys so that's something a very similar approach to what i do in terms of right you know we're going to progress through these different movements but again as you say all we're doing is practicing squatting and we've changed the implement or we've changed maybe where we're holding on so the athlete there's a novelty factor but really the consistent thing is we're practicing this movement to ingrain it so that's definitely an approach I've taken as well Um, and I think it's really interesting around the levels and that progression to the next level and here's how we're trying to go and, and mapping that out so yeah that's definitely something that I've used as well
1: Yeah, for example, um, uh, I think I I talked about that briefly in another podcast before Um, what I've done, for example, for snatches, uh, especially for younger kids, um, you have these plastic weights, uh, you can order white ones or red ones or whatever. Um, What I did, what we, what I did, or what we had, we had different colors that were also the different, the same weight basically, and we progressed um, to different colors. Like they were lifting always the same way because it doesn't really matter. Like I'm not, I don't do any weight progressions with children. Like that, it's, it's useless. Like it's, it's not worth it if they do like 20 kilograms or 23. Like whatever um and what but what we did is or what i did is um um i had like i colored those those plates and then we had like the green ones were the entry level and when i was happy with the movement (laughs) or when their training partner was happy with, uh, how they, how, how the snatch looked. Um, um so we did like some qualitative, uh, measuring, like there was, it's mainly like, was, if I say the technique is good, then they can progress to the next level. And then we switched from, from green to yellow, and then we switched from yellow to blue and then from blue to, to red. And like when, when I was there, that was red was always like when you have like almost perfect technique, like, whatever um you know what i mean um like th- this was like so we did that color levels um we didn't have any any imp- like we had didn't have any progress in weight but we had like a progress in movement quality and that was on the um with the colors and, uh, and there were some kids and oh i'm already at, at at red where are you now why are you still at yellow and then they had like this, they they had like this motivation to to get better movement quality or better technique uh, in the snatches because it was the, the end goal was to go to red plates. So um, yeah, that's that's something I've done that worked very well.
0: Yeah, and for those who aren't familiar with weightlifting, you're obviously following the the colour of the discs. So so there's a psychological thing of watching Matthias Steiner lifting this and going, oh, he's lifting the reds. Oh, I'm going to work to lifting the reds. You know, like, although, as you said, it's the same way. I've done something similar in that I've kind of taken a martial arts belt system. So you start on a white belt and you end up being a black belt. So there's, you know, you're borrowing from something that already exists to kind of create that connection, which is that, yeah, it's clever. And, And inherently, I've found that even just attaching a number to a level or a color has changed the motivation to go oh well I want to get to the black level um even yeah. though it was exactly what we were doing last month when I didn't have any <laughs> colors attached to it but now I've got color there yeah so I totally get it. it makes a lot of sense so what have you got coming up in the next 12 to 18 months what does that look like for you
1: <laughs> so yeah uh, it's going to be exciting um I will I haven't said that anywhere else before so <laughs> um and I haven't made that public uh, so yeah i will leave germany um end of this year um i next year or 2022 ob- obviously dependent on covid and everything uh, i I want to dedicate to traveling and coaching um there's this work and travel what you can do I think in in some countries um I'm going to switch that up to travel and coach um I will try to work as much remotely as possible uh and travel to different countries and coach in different settings um organize camps etc um I have some yeah some plans uh, i will and yeah in the beginning of uh, 2022 i will be in south africa um and uh, i have a trip plan to coach in a in a in, in some elementary schools in rwanda um in around like april may um yeah, I have some other things planned, but I'm going to talk about that later. So for me, it's like the next year will be, um, I, I thought a lot about it this year. It will be mainly about like getting into different environments, different settings, uh, making more, or making more coaching experience in, um, in, with a strength and conditioning um, um, focus. Because at the end of the day, I'm, I, I was for the last for years, I was basically a sports coach because Olympic weightlifting is a sport, um, and I try to have that transition to strength and conditioning now uh, with a more, yeah, with a, yeah, with more focus. So I'm gonna try to visit different teams and gaining more experience and travel uh, as much as I can with uh, COVID. So yeah, but I want to keep everyone updated on my Twitter. <laughs>
0: Awesome. That leads very nicely to the next question, which is where can people find you? So what is your, your Twitter handle?
1: Yeah, so uh it's EO Performance. Um and the same on Instagram. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn too. I'm not very active, I'm probably most active on Twitter. Um, Instagram doesn't really work for me. LinkedIn does work well for me, but yeah, I'm mainly on Twitter. <clears throat> and I have a website as well. Um, yeah, and I always like, as I said before i'm gonna i plan to travel a lot um and visit different teams and maybe coach some camps so if there are any interests um then you can also hit me up over my website fantastic
0: well thanks for giving us an insight into into how you uh you get kids involved in weightlifting and, and some of the, the tricks and methods that you use i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of value to them to, to coach the listening and maybe how they can apply something similar with the groups that they're working with so i'm sure that's valuable so thanks again for your time
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. And don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform as well as 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram using the account at LTADnetwork as well as Twitter at LTADnetwork. And find our website, www.ltadnetwork.com.